Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today and every Saturday morning about this time. If you're the first-time listener today, we're so glad you're with us. And just a quick reminder, and you'll find out quickly, this is not a sales show. We're not. We don't sell anything at our office. We don't sell anything on the air. So this is no. There's no gimmicks here. We're just trying to give you the information you need. One thing that I have not talked about, I don't know if I have a a full show about this, is what it's like to become, or what are the steps to becoming a Ronald Blue Trust client. What goes through? I think a lot of people have asked me about that, and they just, you're just curious. What happens? What's from soup to nuts? What what goes on to become a client? How do how do you uh, get presented what we uh, can offer, and how do we learn about what your needs are? And so Eddie Holland, a CPA and CFP and PFS and CKA, and we mentioned all that last is the alphabet soup after his name. Uh, it just means he's a smart guy, but he he applies it well and he's humble about it. Uh, just, just ask him. No, we won't say that. So, Eddie, once again, welcome back to the microphone. Good morning, Mike. Good to be back. It's always a pleasure to have him. We have another special guest in the studio today. Hayden Eriks is one of our interns at uh, in Atlanta, and the Atlanta office has been there for about a month and a half, he says. So he's got a, uh, a fresh look, uh, fresh eyes, as it were, at what's uh, Ronald Blue Trust like. And uh, so we're, we're going to put him on the spot here some. So welcome to the microphone for you, too, Hayden. All right. Thanks for having me. We're going to be talking about um, you know, all, all the way from the initial phone call to uh, what kinds of strategies do we use for clients and, and what sets Ronald Blue Trust apart from other advisory firms. And there's a book that Ronald Blue Trust put out just in the last year, I think, Eddie. Hasn't it been a fairly new book? Yeah, I think it has been about it, the last year. And at the end of the book, it has a conclusion. And it, it uh, is a letter, essentially, from uh, Anna who is someone that has been interviewing different firms to come to work for a financial planning firm, trust company, so forth. And this is following uh, several visits to these other firms. What is her take and what is her perception, her perspective on what is the difference between working with a Ronald Blue Trust? And, and Eddie, you and I have both seen many times brochures, um, different uh, advertisements that make a financial firm look just like us, mm-hmm. but we know they're not. And and I mean, I even had one. My wife showed me uh, back a few years ago. It was a, a kind of a booklet type advertisement that came in, and she was looking through that. And it was from a, a big wirehouse firm, and I knew the advisor that was part of the team that sent that out. And she was saying, "Wow, these these people do just what you do." I said, "Well, let me tell you a story about that because I had a." a prospective client come in the office just last week. So just the week before we had gotten this advertisement and she was talking to us and we were telling her about what we do, how we do it and so forth. And we found out, we always ask, you know, why do you want to leave the firm you're in? Why, or what is about that firm that you're not happy about? 
He said, well, they do pretty good investments, but they just don't do any financial planning. I said, well, guess which firm that was? <laughs> it was the one we got this brochure on that said, we do all this financial planning. Well, it sounds good, but in reality, the, the interest is typically, let me get your assets, start getting a fee for the assets or get a commission from selling something. So this was interesting when Anna wrote this, and I'm just going to read it. So it's not going to take very long, but she says at 5 p.m., the day was finally done. It was a good day, a long day, a draining day from being on her feet, thinking quickly, trying to impress everyone and not saying too much, but just enough. And I left the interviews feeling good, tired, but good. Interviews with all five firms were now complete. As Anna walked to her car, she felt a strange peace about her experience at Ronald Blue Tross. Why was that feeling inside her? After nine hours at their national office, she was still trying to determine the difference her peers talked about, but couldn't clearly define. As she approached her car, she began reviewing what she had learned. They helped their clients with all things money, spending it, saving it, investing it, passing it on, minimizing taxes on it, budgeting it, giving it, managing it, and preserving it. Most of that was no different than what she'd heard at the other firms. What about how they deliver their services? Is that any different? Not really. She saw the same kinds of professional help, of professional people and services you'd find at most large trust companies except for their focus on including both spouses in meetings. That was unique, but it seemed the what and the who were not the differentiators. However, the why was certainly different. Helping Christians free up resources for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. She'd never heard that before. The other firms only seemed interested in helping their clients accumulate resources, not free them up. This company seems to focus on something different. They believe you can enjoy your wealth now and also be generous, ready to share, and send some ahead by laying up treasure in heaven. Interesting. The wallet card, the books, the diagrams, the freedom scale, the principles. And even more unusual was the company's foundational belief that God owns it all, and we are simply stewards of what he has given us. Those ideas are certainly unique. On one hand, they were intriguing enough that Anna felt a desire to learn more about them. Was she sensing a call to this company? But on the other hand, she wondered if she should pursue a job where she could apply her academic knowledge and not have to learn this new language. She climbed into her car and pushed the start button, but something kept her from putting the car in gear. I kind of want to come back here, she thought. She couldn't believe she was thinking this. These people are different. This place is different. No, that's not it. People come and go, and the place is just a building. So what's so different about Ronald Blue Trust? Why do I feel so drawn here? Anna struggled to articulate what she was feeling. She tried to put her thoughts into one word. This unusual collection of bright professionals who guide people with their wealth, but are neither consumed nor impressed by it. Then suddenly a breakthrough. After sitting in her car quietly for several minutes, the one word that finally came to mind and seemed to perfectly describe the difference was perspective. Their perspective on money, relationships, conflict, work, on everything, on everything comes from the Bible. They seem to wear this biblical perspective like a faithful tool belt that is always resting comfortably on their hips. It is sturdy, unobtrusive, and accessible. They draw from it regularly to apply whatever biblical wisdom is needed to address the issue at hand. They all seem to, to be, they all seem called to something bigger than themselves. Anna finally seemed to understand wealth is the same wherever you go, but the difference is your perspective on it. That's it. That's the difference. Their perspective is the difference. As Anna backed out of her parking space and began her journey home, she felt a little lighter and became excited about the potential future at Ronald Blue Trust. So I thought that was a uh, pretty concise way of, of talking about what is different about uh, what we do versus how other firms do it. And I guess, Hayden, since you have 
more firsthand experience with the difference, having worked at another firm in California for coming back here, a good old Southern California boy, I might add. Uh, and I can't say that very often about Southern California, but uh, it's it's nice to have good people in, in California. Um, so what what uh, would you say is are, are some of the differences that you noticed between the other firm or, or firms, I guess one firm that you worked for, and now the time you spent several months here at Ronald Blue Trust. Yeah, I would say there one of the biggest differences is how relational center, relationally centered Ronald Blue Trust is. Uh, one of my first uh, introductions to Ronald Blue Trust was when I met with Mike Haddad, who's the managing director of our Orange County branch. Yep, I know and, Mike well. Yep. Yes. And so I got to sit down and have coffee with him for about an hour. And at that time, I didn't know what a managing director did for an office. And I didn't realize how busy that was managing an entire office and an entire book of clients. And he was just willing to sit down with me for an entire hour and talk with me. And I thought, wow, this is really great. Uh, There's no way everyone at this firm is this nice. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So I went and talked to as many managing directors and financial advisors that I could find at Round Blue. And it was incredible how many are just willing to sit down and talk with me and invest in me. And uh, our clients really see that as well. One of the big emphasis we have here is including both spouses in the financial planning. So usually you'll have a financial spouse and a non-financial spouse. And at most firms, they're going to talk to the financial spouse and they're going to more or less ignore the non-financial spouse. And um, most of the time that non-financial spouse is going to sit at the meeting, check their watch and hope to go home because... (laughs) Or fall asleep. Yes, or fall asleep because... They just are not involved at all. And so we do a really good job of explaining things to that non-financial spouse in a way that they can understand. Okay, very good. So, and, and that you see that difference then from the other firm that, that, didn't, uh, that didn't include the spouse a lot of times? Yes, absolutely. It's, okay. it, was, it was mainly focused towards the uh, spouse that did all of the finances. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting because, you know, I would never even be aware of that because I'm not a, a different firm. I just assume everybody includes their spouses. And, and we actually try to proactively pull out of that spouse to, to say something. I know Eddie's really good at doing that. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Tell us. You know, we don't want you just sitting there. Uh, are you okay with this? Does this sound like the right plan? So anyway, thanks for your comments. Uh, all right, when we come back from the break. Uh, we'll head it up with Ed- Eddie Holland, who's going to talk through through with us uh, the initial phone call, initial meeting. How does that look? And what are some of the ideas and strategies we use for new clients? We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. Coming up in about 20 minutes after the hour. So glad you're with us today. My special guest, Eddie Holland, is we're going to be talking about Becoming a client of Ronald Blue Trust, what's it like and what kinds of strategies and ideas do we use with our clients that uh, hopefully sets us 
a little bit apart because financial planning is definitely at the core of our business where I think uh, the other firms that I'm aware of anyway, it's the, the assets, bring the assets in. That's really the, the key. Ours is now you need to have a plan. You need to, you need to know what the plan is before you can try to implement a plan and try to follow through with that plan. And that's, that's what we're all about. So also in the studio, Hayden Eriks is uh, from uh, currently going to Liberty university. And uh, I think, were you a rising senior? Juniors, rising junior. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you don't need to respond. We got, we got issues with, with Hayden's mic and that's so fine. It's live radio. So that's what happens when, when you do, but we have more microphones. We'll work that out. But so we're glad that he's able to sit with us in the studio today. So, all right. So Eddie, you're on the hot seat now. So uh, people want to become a client um, and, and for various reasons, they, they need help and we'd love to help people. So uh, what, what do they do? How do I, how do I call Eddie or how do I call Mike? What do I do? Yeah. So generally speaking, we have an initial phone conversation just to get an idea of what a client's looking for, what a prospect's looking for. And it can, be a wide ranging um, spectrum of things that, yeah. that they need. It can be tax help. Uh, we don't do any tax preparation, but we do a quite a bit of proactive tax planning. It can be charitable giving strategies like you talked about before. It can be, uh, what about an investment strategy? What makes sense for, for me and my spouse to consider from an investment strategy standpoint? So really what we're looking for is to have an initial conversation just to get an idea of uh, what the prospect's looking for. At that point, We'd like to have an in-person meeting. Obviously, COVID has complicated that a little bit more uh, over the last 15 months or so. But normally, we'd like to have an in-person meeting. And it's really about us finding out. And I know this sounds a little bit cliche and a little bit hard to believe. But it's really about us finding out if they're as much a good fit for, for us, they being a good fit for us, as we are for them. And so because it's a two-way street, the last thing that we want to do, Mike, is bring a new client in them have a bad experience and leave six months later because we haven't done them a service. And obviously that's not the way that we want to handle client relationships. We want it to be long-term client relationships. And so it's just like dating. You can't know somebody unless you you have some questions and go through a process of just learning more about each other. And it's really important to have those initial conversations. Most people like to sit across the table, look you in the eye, right. get the nonverbal cues and kind of what I call a vibe of does it make sense and, and do I like this person? Do I feel comfortable with this person? Is it something that I can feel like we can partner with long term, which I think is very important. Yeah, I think some people assume that uh, that everybody would want to work with them, uh, especially if they have a million or two million or more dollars. Think like, surely anybody would want to work with me, and and they don't realize that there's been a number of people like that that we have actually said no, we we don't think we're a good fit for you, and it, it, it's not necessarily a pleasant conversation because they think well anybody would want to work, but we all know that some people just difficult sure. we, we all have we all know difficult people the last thing we want is for the phone to ring and we look at caller id and we see the name of the client we go oh no not them again <laughs> i don't want to talk to them we don't want that we want all of them to say okay yes i i, I don't mind and i'm eagerly looking forward to to talking to them another area you did mention i think was pretty common that somebody want to would come to us for would be they're preparing for retirement. They yes. retirement income, I think, is a big thing, especially with you with your Michelin pre-retirement seminars that you teach. That's that those people are in that situation, and I think uh, and, and almost as big are those who come in to say, you know, I feel pretty comfortable myself about how to handle the money, and and they may not be good at it, but they feel comfortable about it. And, but if something happens to me, I want to make sure my spouse is well taken care of, and so they're they're coming in almost solely exclusively for the fact that they want to have somebody that they trust 
that's going to have their spouses back when they die that that's going to be able to take care of them correct yeah. yeah i think those are two really important parts of that conversation and like you said we have a plethora of examples of those types of situations where the financial and, and hayden's uh, the first segment hayden mentioned the, the financial and the non-financial spouse normally in a relationship and the financial spouse says hey I feel like I've got a pretty good handle and grasp on our finances. My non-financial spouse does not. And so I want to partner with you guys to really provide peace of mind. And that's really through the uh, really through the process, there'll be this pervasive theme of what we're trying to provide is peace of mind. We're going to answer a lot of questions, uh, hopefully for a client that they may have, but we feel like we can answer those questions best through a financial plan. And, and you, some questions they didn't even know they had. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell you how many times people have – they don't even know the right questions to ask. But we unearth those and uncover those through the financial planning process. That's why we really recommend uh, pretty much in every instance we do some type of financial plan. It doesn't have to be a comprehensive pen-to-paper type plan, but it's a deep-dive diagnostic to look to see exactly what areas or where there's gaps in the financial plan in a person's financial portfolio, if you mm-hmm. will, not just from an investment standpoint, but really the full suite of financial planning. And and really, just to kind of go through some of the questions that are common, most prospects and, and new clients have, most people want to know, how are we doing? To your point about retirement, what asset level do I need to be able to retire? Yeah, Have I accumulated enough? And if not, let's have that hard conversation. There's been several times where Deborah Carroll, the financial planner that, that works with me in our office, uh, she and I have had those hard conversations. We said, you know what? The plan just doesn't look favorable right now, so you're going to have to work a little longer, spend a little less. And those are those uncomfortable conversations. But uh, there's a phrase that we like to use in the office. We want to have the courage to advise. And courage, I think, is a very poignant word because sometimes it's not fun to tell somebody, look, you're going to have to work longer than what you had initially thought. But our job is not to tell them what they want to hear. It's what they need to hear. And that's really what we want this partnership to be. And then there's a lot of things that we can uh, dovetail off of that. What steps should we take now to prepare ourselves for retirement? I can't tell you how many times uh, clients have come in and they've sat in our in, in our office and they've said, I wished I would have come seen you guys three years before retirement. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many things that we could have put into place from a planning standpoint that they just felt like they had missed out on. And we agree, there were opportunities, but we also have a rule where with our clients, we throw the rear view mirror out of the car. That's We're not right. going to look back because there's nothing other, nothing but regret can occur right. in that sense. Yep. So we really want to uh, be forward focused, forward facing, and trying to figure out and implement strategies that are going to make sense. And, and then we've even had some people that they came in and, and used some techniques that were not right. Yes. Uh, remember the one we talked about that for Roth conversion that. Uh, he didn't do it legally. The other advisors told him he could do that. And um, and no, you're not allowed to do that. Sure. <laughs> so maybe try to keep him out of hot water. Right. Yeah. And then just kind of going through the list, and this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but social security strategies. I know we spent last uh, program talking about social security. It's a big conversation point for people that are close to retirement. Uh, income tax optimization, that's another hot topic that we talk a lot of, about. Most people don't necessarily, or I would say almost exclusively, everybody never wants to pay more tax than they have to, <laughs> than they legally have to pay. And so that's what we want to try to do is minimize that tax liability 
with all legal means even the liberal clients we have the same way they 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 may not think that but when it comes down to their own money yeah no we want to save as many taxes as we can not not many people are philanthropic till uh, towards uncle sam so that's just the reality and then i think one of the freeing things from our standpoint mike is that we get to sit on the same side of the table as the client our fee is not dictated by what we're selling so we're not selling fear or pandemonium or manic you know, types of mood swings, what we're really trying to sell is peace of mind and stability. And so if we recommend a client needs life insurance or long-term care insurance or disability insurance, the client never has to wonder how much is my advisor making because we don't make a commission on that. We don't get any kickbacks, no revenue sharing. What we refer out, the client knows that the only revenue that they're paying is to the person that they're being referred to right. when they're purchasing the product. We're not. There's no incentive for us to do that. Yeah, it's not like a fee-based firm where they're still... The, the fees are being collected by the investment and they give some back, even though it's a fee, it's still not, it's indirectly coming from the client, but it's still not the same. The only people we get paid from are our clients. That's right. And I guess you would, if you could liken it to, to some more corporate structure, if you have a CFO, a chief financial officer at your company, you don't expect them to be doing things that are contrary to what the company philosophy is what the company's goals are they're they're on your table they're they're doing what you want them to do so we are essentially our clients personal cfo yep and exactly. so we're there to to help them do all the things that they need help with and to make sure that it's being done the correct way all right we got a lot more to talk about we got half the program left in our second half we'll talk more about some of the strategies that we use at ronald trust to help clients and hopefully you'll learn something from that as well we'll be back in just a few minutes talking money is brought to you by ronald blue trust with nationwide trust capabilities ronald blue trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 16 offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas. Financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ronald Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host, once again, coming to you live from the studios here in the upstate of South Carolina, WGTK, The Answer. So if you happen to be listening to this program on as a podcast, well, you can't call it and, uh, and, and ask me a question, but you can always send an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, or just simply go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and find the Ask Mike a Question line and click on that, and you can send me a, an email through that as well. And love to get your questions so we can answer them on a future broadcast. So I, that's the, the important thing of this program is to answer the questions that you have. And so I, I come up with the topics that I think are important, but if you there's something I'm not covering, that's the way to get it to me, and we'll make sure we get it covered on a future future program. So my special guest today, Eddie Holland, uh, one of my colleagues at, at the Ronald Blue Trust office here in Greenville, 
And said again, Hayden Eriks, one of our interns out of the Atlanta office, came up for the day. He's Liberty University. He's sitting in uh, been and been at the Atlanta office for now six weeks or so, I think he said. Something like that. So uh, we're talking about the the steps for becoming a new client at Ronald Blue Trust and some of the things we do, some of the things we inquire about, the questions we ask, the the discovery that we do to make sure that we're both good fits for each other and also to make sure that we know enough information uh, like a doctor would. You wouldn't want a doctor coming in and just prescribing something without asking you a lot of questions about the your situation to know that he's prescribing the right um, medicine for you or the might or the right therapies whatever he's going to prescribe to you we want to make sure we do that at uh, at ronald blue trust as well all right so eddie we want to spend the rest of the time talking about some of the strategies that we've used that you've used all of us have used really but uh, ones you've, you've used particularly with clients and i think that'll help Give people a little idea of the, some of the kinds of things that, that we help clients uh, work through and hopefully, in, in many cases, save them some money. Absolutely. Yeah, so just to recap the first couple of segments, Mike, we talked about the importance of understanding, to your point, what a client's, I call them pain points or areas of opportunity, what they feel like mm-hmm. they need the most help with. Once we've gathered that information, we do a deep dive into their finances, create a financial plan. You use the word soup to nuts at the beginning of this broadcast, and I think that sums up well what we're trying to do from soup to nuts, trying to capture the essence of a person's financial picture. And once we have uh, captured that, we create a plan, we lay out that plan, and then we begin the implementation process. And you know as well as I do that life is unpredictable. And so the best laid plans are always going to change at some point. So that's why clients partner with us is to really create a plan and then adjust that plan as things change. So planning from now till they are 99 and 100 years old, it's it's probably going to change sometime between now and then. Yeah, I think there, there's very yeah. few guarantees that we have in life, but it's pretty much yeah. guaranteed that it's not going to go right. exactly the way that we planned uh, 40 years prior right. Right. over the next 40 years. So, Which is why we keep updating it. Absolutely. Yeah, and sure. that's, that, that's a great segue. That's exactly why when we create a plan, we don't stick it in a drawer like an estate document and review it only f- every five or 10 years. We're, this is a living, breathing document that we're reviewing on a consistent basis, updating it as things change. But the great opportunity that it does is it creates a baseline for us, number one, to track the progress for a client. Number two, to hold some accountability, hold the client to some accountability. And, and there, I can't tell you how many clients have told us this is so valuable for us because these are important milestones that we want to accomplish or to achieve, but we need accountability. We need somebody mm-hmm. there looking over our shoulder. And it's the same thing whether it comes from a health standpoint, from a, a personal trainer standpoint, a doctor, we need built-in accountability. We as humans are fallible, and sometimes we just lose sight of the goal, and it's very easy to do that. And so part of our responsibility and, and why we're excited to partner with clients is to provide that accountability, not in a parental standpoint. I had one client come in and said, she said, I'm always nervous because I feel like I'm being called to the principal's office or my parents are sitting me down and scolding me. And I said, no, 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 this is your money. This is, But all we're trying to do is remind you of what you told us was important. And that's why that discovery phase is so important for us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not us dictating to the client what's important. It's the client telling us what's important and then us working together to formulate and create a plan that makes sense and includes that built-in accountability, which I think is so important. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's it, like you said, it's an ongoing process that we do all the time. And even the, the, the tax, when you talked earlier about the income tax optimized, it can't be a one, uh, one year deal. Yes. It's got to be, uh, in most cases, an annual thing. You got to look at it. And, and so that's why 
at the end of the year, you're so busy yeah. with clients because you're doing some of the year in some of these year in tax planning, and, and a lot of it, of course, has been planned ahead of time. You're just trying to implement it and and see because it's not till the end of the year that you really fully know what their expenses are, what their taxable income is going to be, so that we can try to do some of that planning to help minimize the taxes and and pay no more than your fair share. Right. So right out of school, I graduated, went to Mercer undergrad, and then my, did my grad work at UGA. Go dogs! Little plug there. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that really goes over well for all the Clemson, yeah, Carolina, yeah. and yeah. Alabama fans and everybody else. But uh, one of the things that right out of school is with CPA world, we tend to be backward looking. So January through the end of, of April or middle of April, I was really busy. So working probably 70, 80 hours a week, just kind of crazy busy. Well, what I've done now is I've moved forward that busy stuff, right. and so in the month of December, it's just crazy busy because we've got a short window of tax planning opportunities. And it hit me, Mike, I was having a conversation with another advisor in another firm, actually not even in Greenville. He was uh, up in the Charlotte area. And he and I were talking about his schedule. And I asked him, are you guys just crazy busy in December? And he says, no, this is one of our slowest months of the year. And to your point, they weren't doing a lot of financial planning. Mm -hmm. And so from our standpoint, the worst type of of tax planning is the one done after the fact. You start planning in January for the previous year, you've lost a lot of opportunity. So there's very few opportunities to consider. So we spend a lot of time in December, and part of what we're doing is income tax analysis. And more specifically, we're looking at opportunities such as Roth conversions. Roth conversions are when a client moves money from an IRA to a Roth. Why would you do that? Well, Roths grow tax-free. They can be passed to generations, and they continue to grow tax-free. Now, there's required minimum distributions that have to happen when uh, Roths are passed to to children or grandchildren. But But there's still tax-free distributions that accumulates tax-free. A regular IRA accumulates tax-deferred. Yes. But it's also tax-free when you pull it out. Correct. And where that's really come up is with the SECURE Act, most IRAs used to could have been stretched. So if a, a parent passes an IRA to a child, that child could stretch that IRA over his or her lifetime. Well, as a result of the SECURE Act that passed uh, a couple of years ago, the the reality is that now a child that inherits an IRA from a parent has to pull the money out over 10 years. And that was nothing more, in my personal opinion, than a money grab from Congress of saying, hey, we're, we're trying to increase the tax, uh, generate some more tax. And so we want to require this to be paid out over a 10-year period instead of over a 30- or 40-year yeah. period of time. So we have clients that have accumulated quite a nice balance in a tax-deferred IRA. And if they're trying to minimize the tax liability, not just that they pay, but that their family pays, multiple generations pay over the extended life of that IRA, what they may say is, look, I want to front-load some of my tax liability now because I'm in a lower tax bracket than my kids will be when they inherit or could be when they inherit. So we want to take a little bit of a tax hit now, pull the money out of an IRA, move it into a Roth, there's certain rules that have to apply there, but the premise is that we want to get money out at a lower tax bracket, put it into a vehicle that grows tax-free so that in the future, that's going to benefit either ourselves, our kids, or our grandkids. And that's why you have to be so careful. Some of these uh, other financial shows that talk about trying to take your traditional IRA and move it into insurance, they don't tell you you're buying insurance, but that's essentially what you're doing because then it can grow tax-deferred and tax-free, and then the death benefit comes and all that, and, and, and the the concept's not bad, but if you're going to be taking some lump sum out of that, you're, you're talking about putting yourself into a much higher marginal tax bracket potentially in order to get this. And it makes the strategy much less 
uh, doable, much less right. uh, a, an effective strategy if you're doing that. So that's why we're careful making sure that we might do that Roth conversion over a period of time Correct. to try to maintain a, that lower that lower tax bracket. Yeah, because really what you can do is if you can stretch a Roth conversion out over 10 years, incrementally do it 10% at a time, that's much better from a marginal tax standpoint than doing it all in one fell swoop in one year. Now, obviously, we're banking on the premise that the client's going to be alive the next 10 years. So yeah. there's some assumptions but I think there's also some assumptions made on the other strategy of 100% Roth conversion all in one year. And part of the planning strategies, and, and I don't know if you've heard the most recent things, but I know Ed Slot's been putting out these uh, nearly weekly uh, blogs about the the uh, distribution rules for this new 10-year strategy and whether or not it's required that you take it out. Over, first of all, it was thought we can take it out over 10 years. Then they said, no, you can wait and take it all out the 10th year. And now they're coming back to, no, you have to take it out. one. So uh, the last I heard was the IRS was saying, no, we think you can take it out all in the 10th year. So you can do some tax planning with that. But I don't know if you've heard any the final, I don't know if the final decisions come out on that yet. I have not heard anything definitive, but the last conversation or last article that I read was what you just described, the ability to have flexibility of either taking it out yeah. evenly over 10 years, incrementally over 10 years, or delaying until the 10th yeah. year and taking it all out at once. So these are the type of strategies and, and tax rules that you want your firm to be keeping up with for your benefit, because you're not going to know what those are. So when something happens, we want to be able to help our clients to do the right thing for their particular situation. Well, and not only that, but also the estate planning. Estate planning factors right. into this, because if we're talking about passing assets on to the, to the next generation, do you want to do that inside or outside of trust? So really, th- I think this is a great illustration of how holistic our approach is and why it's so important to deal with an advisor, number one, that has your personal best interest in mind and, and is required to do so, but also looks at things from multiple angles because it is a multifaceted, very nuanced approach. Yeah. So I I must say I'm I'm glad that I'm not the only one that starts uh, speaking a little faster and gets a little more a little more excited when I start talking about certain ideas because I do that all the time. So I'm glad to hear you do it too, Eddie. It's, it's just a good like, thing we don't have a heart rate monitor on it. Let's see our heart rate start spiking. <laughs> so we get excited about these things. It's, I know we're weird that way, but uh, but anyway, we do. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. <music> And welcome back to Talking Money. We've got about 10 minutes here left in the program today, so we'd love to answer your questions. Of course, if you're listening to this 
as a podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder, send your email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com or go to talkingmoneyradio.com to uh, submit your question. And of course, that's the same place where you can listen to the former program. So uh, last week's program about Social Security or whatever other programs that we have on there, they're listed by topic. So you can search by topic and then find the two or three or four or five, however many we've done on that, that, that discuss that and just become a, a, a more conformed, more conformed, more informed and maybe conformed uh, <laughs> a buyer of whatever you're going to buy. So if you're going to buy an annuity, uh, that's fine. Just make sure you're doing it the right way and you're going into it with your eyes wide open. So go into the Talking Money Radio, pull out the ones we talked about, annuities, and just listen. If nothing else, it'll give you more and better questions to ask the person who's trying to sell you that particular product. Um, okay, so we don't have too much time left in the in the program today, Eddie, so I know we want to hit on a couple few other strategies that uh, that we're using with clients. We talked about Roth conversions. Let's, let's dig a little deeper into some techniques we have there. Yeah, so one concept, Mike, that has gained a lot of financial notoriety and publicity the last several years is something called a backdoor Roth. And so let's just set the stage. We talked last segment, so I won't go into a lot of detail. But IRA contributions, you get a deduction when you make it and you pay tax when you pull it out. Roths are the exact opposite. You get no deduction when you make a contribution, but it's tax-free when you pull it out. So the, the process or concept is that you put money into an IRA when you're in a higher tax bracket than you will be in the future because you need the tax deduction now more than you do in the future and vice versa. You put money into a Roth when you're in a lower tax bracket than what you anticipate being in the future. And that's what we call playing the tax spread or the tax game. But in some cases, the IRS has put in limitations, either from a contribution standpoint or from an income standpoint that precludes people from putting money into a certain vehicle. So if you're covered by an employer plan, you're limited by the amount that you can contribute, up to $26,000 if you're over uh, 50. And then if you're under the age, if you're 50 or older, and if you're under the age of 50, then the most that you can put into an employer plan is 19500 That's either pre-tax into a 401k or Roth 401k contributions or uh, if, if your employer allows. Now, if your income is over a certain threshold and you're covered by a plan, by an employer plan, then you're not allowed to make Roth contributions, Roth IRA contributions or deductible IRA contributions. So we have some clients that are either high wage earners or great savers or both. They are limited to the amount they can contribute into their 401k, but they have excess money. Now, one option is to just dump it into a brokerage account, an after-tax taxable brokerage account, mm -hmm. invest, and you're going to pay tax on any dividends and interest, those types of things. But something called a backdoor Roth has gained a lot of notoriety. There was a lot of questions of whether this was allowed. The IRS kind of turned a blind eye to it, but then they, they came out in least recent legislation and they acknowledged that it existed, and although they did not promote it, they did not condemn it either. Right. So it wasn't a, they We're didn't condone it. Yeah, they didn't condone <laughs> it, nor did they condemn it. So most financial experts say, okay, because they've acknowledged it and they didn't bring kind of the, the, the hammer down, so to speak, then they've rubber stamped it. They've said, okay, this is, this is available. So what a, a backdoor Roth is, is you can make a non-deductible contribution into an IRA. You don't get a tax deduction. Yeah, just a traditional IRA, you just don't get a deduction because your, your income limits prevent you from getting the deduction. Correct. And then what you do is you backdoor or you convert that into a Roth. It's a way for you to get money into a Roth when you normally wouldn't be able to. If you're married filing joint and you make over $208,000 of, of adjusted gross income, then you're precluded from making a Roth IRA contribution in 2021. 
So if you're over that income threshold, you don't have any other IRAs open. And it's very important. There's something called the cream in the coffee, and we could spend a whole program on that. So we're not going to do that. But if you have questions, obviously send an email to Mike. We're happy to give you a lot more. Don't do this at home. Yes, do not. No, this (laughs) This is not a do-it-yourself type of thing. Um, But if you have no other IRAs, you can open an IRA, make a non-deductible IRA contribution. And there's no income limit on that. Correct. So any, anybody can make that. Correct. You can make over the 208000 make a non-deductible IRA contribution, and then convert that into a Roth IRA. The problem with that is that it's limited to either 6000 or $7,000, depending on your age. So that's, an, that's a way to get a little bit incrementally. But one of the nice benefits is if your employer has an after-tax 401k option, you can do the backdoor Roth that we just discussed, making a non-deductible IRA contribution. And then in addition to that, you can make an after-tax 401k contribution because an after-tax is exactly what it says. It's after-tax. You're not limited to the 19.5 or the 26,000 that we discussed uh, earlier this segment. So it's a way for you to, to make a $26,000 if you're 50 and older, $26,000 401k contribution. You can do an additional $7,000 into a, a Roth through the back door and then you can potentially contribute additional money into an after-tax 401k. So the maximum amount that someone is eligible to contribute to all plans, 401k, after-tax 401k, any type of employer plan, whatever it may be, the defined contribution limits of those are 58000 if you're under the age of 50, and it's uh, 60, let me do my math here, 64500 if you're over the age of 50. So it creates a great opportunity for high-wage earners or great savers to create a saving strategy, the, the stars have to align. You have to be, number one, a good saver. Number two, you have to have an employer that allows you to make after-tax contributions. But that's just one illustration of how we create a plan that makes sense for a client. So one of the things that this this will be a segue to, because uh, one of the issues that you can have is because you're doing all this, you're not getting tax deduction, you're, and some of those are tax-free, but some of those like the after-tax into your 401k, That's all that is doing is, is deferring the taxes. So when you start pulling the money out, then then there's another strategy you've got to use to say, okay, and 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 thinking about this way ahead of time to, to plan for it, to say, all right, how much of the income that I'm going to need when I start to need to pull money out, how can I best plan for this to make sure that I'm staying in this lowest tax bracket as possible and minimizing, if possible, the higher wage earners are, are probably, there's not going to be much they can do to keep from paying, having 85% of their social security included as taxable income, but there's still other strategies and you got Medicare premiums and all those kind of things that, that affect the strategy pulling out. So uh, do we help with that too? We do. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's a plug for one of the reasons why we need uh, to really deep dive into a, a cash flow analysis with a client. We need to know what are your cash flow needs now, what are they going to be in the future, and how can we create a withdrawal strategy that makes sense for you from a market standpoint. We hopefully can pull when the market's up and when the market's down. Hopefully we can find funds in the portfolio that aren't down as much or maybe that are flat or maybe right. even up some. Oh, mm-hmm. And we did that in March, February, March of last year when the market was going crazy. Some of our bond portfolio, some of our bond positions were up. So what we do is we take a, a customized approach and we look at each client's cash flow needs. And it's from an income tax standpoint, income tax optimization, Roth conversion standpoint. You talked about Medicare premiums. We want to stay below that threshold. There's also, uh, once you get over $250,000 and you've got an unearned income, 
um, 3.8% increase that you pay on unearned income if you go above 250000 So we're trying to make sure that clients that are nearing that threshold, we stay very sensitive to that. And really the goal is to create a cash flow need. I had a client tell me, I don't really want to know how you manage the portfolio. I just want to know when I call you, can you send me the money that I need? <laughs> and that's all I want to know. And I think that's you a figure great, out where it's absolutely come from. I think yeah. that's great because most of the clients, they want to delegate that responsibility to us, but they want that peace of mind knowing that it's being monitored, managed properly, but very customized and consistent with their goals. And, and no big surprises when tax time comes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's not a fun conversation when you have to call somebody <laughs> and say, look, we forgot about this or we failed to factor this in. And that's why when we spend so much time at the outset getting to know a client, that's why we're trying. And we're not trying to be nosy for nosy's sake. We're trying to gain, gain and gather and glean as much information as we can so that we can create a customized plan. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff covered in a very brief time. Some of the other things that we've got in our notes that we have not that have not been able to cover is, uh, of course, we talked about trying to create a good withdrawal strategy and doing that without having to buy an expensive annuity. We want to do and still not lose control of the money. Uh, we, we want to do it in that form. So reducing your Medicare premiums, uh, net unrealized appreciation. We didn't talk about that at all. It's not used as much, but that's still there. Uh, pension lump sum calculations, people that get uh, that uh, are offered to buy out their pensions, they're going to get a lump sum or should they take a monthly? You know, we're going to do that. Make sure your state documents are updated and consistent with your current wishes, your homestead exemptions, umbrella liability policies. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that we didn't cover that, of course, we've covered on Talking Money before. You'll have to go in the archives, talkingmoneyradio.com to find that. So, Eddie, thanks for being here. Hayden, you can't talk, but uh, thanks for joining us today on Talking Money. So glad you're with us. So have a great weekend and uh, we'll be back next week for the next Talking Money.